Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 215, episode one of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Monday, December 13th, 2021, which of course means it's National Horse Day, National Ice Cream Day, and most importantly, my little sister Caitlin's birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Caitlin. Ooh. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. one, two, three, and to the four. A hot doggy dog is just baloney at its core. If you're, <laughs> if you're in a hurry, you don't have to heat it up. You just got to dip it in ketchup. That is courtesy of Chris Mackling. He said crazy facts for your AKA. I just loved the like elementary school science teacher vibe mm, of, mm. of that. I'm surprised it didn't come from Jamie Loftus. I feel like it was maybe done in her honor. Yeah. Man, the way she's got me thinking about hot dogs and reasonably <laughs> considering calling them glizzies, which is still the worst word ever invented. Oh, Glizzies? Glizzies. Glizzies, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, that's it. So we were talking about how in elementary school I had a friend who would just house raw hot dogs for lunch. <laughs> I would, it was uh, disturbing, but I, I started doing it because I thought he was cool. He was a year older than me. Oh, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, do I have, like, is most of my body E. coli at this point oh. because I did that for such a long period of my life? But turns out, courtesy of Chris Mackling, you're all right. Just have, you don't have to cook them. You can you just eat a yeah. raw hot dog. In the same way that I feel like you should never boil a hot dog, I don't think you should ever uh, eat one raw, but you can. But right. it's gross. I feel- so you're not a boiled hot dog? Oh, I'm a- hell no. White people introduced me to that, and I was like, I don't understand why you're doing this, because you could pan fry it, right? Like, the I, way yeah. you, you slice them, and then you press them through the pan to so get like, a yeah. little crisp on the outside. And listen... I'm not about boiling 85% of meats. Fire right. is where meats live. Not in sure. water. That's weird. That That is generously assuming hot dogs are meats. Uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, they are a, more of a slurry and a, and a very specific shape. But oh, I in always... In the song, I brought this hot dog conversation today. So I, you're welcome, um, listeners. Yes. Because I... So I associated pan-fried hot dogs with homemade hot dogs and then boiled hot dogs with the street like new york street hot dogs like where they oh, would just like okay, pull it out okay. of like a a vat of water where it'd been like warmed for uh, a couple of weeks and they're always See, we don't have good. these carts in the midwest chicago had big cities sometimes love hot dog carts you know chicago loves a hot dog uh but i grew up in the country and in the corn and the most like social hot dog eating i did was like where you just shove the hot dog on a stick and then stick it in a fire around a campfire that's how we did hot dogs that's the best way to eat hot dogs like so good when they're like blistered and like kind of exploding one part of them starts like bubbling and that's when you know they're ready and the char it's like violent yeah Mm -hmm. it is it is and you can do it at like five (laughs) (laughs) no skills at five you just like jam go i'm cooking with fire (laughs) you feel like primitive and alive Classic. and you use the same stick for a marshmallow yeah, of course, you, you don't go. need a second stick. You just, no, they're no. Recyclable. just use the opposite end, really, <laughs> or the same end and get a little bit of a meaty, <laughs> a meaty savoriness <laughs> to your umami uh, marshmallow. Perfect. All right. Well, you've already heard from both of them, but uh, I am thrilled to be joined uh, by a very special guest co-host who you know from Fake Doctors, Real Friends. She's a fabulous writer who you can read at Vulture, the AV Club, Team Vogue, Pace, The Advocate, many more. She is the brilliant and talented Joelle Monique! Hey, what's up? Coming back to be Marvel Defender once again. I hope y'all took <laughs> my 90s nostalgia movie advice from last time and caught up with Hawkeye because it is good. Ooh, yeah, so great. stayed good. Yeah. Ah, dude, and getting better in Vera Farminga as like a covert villain. Mm. Cast yeah. her in this role more often. So good. Yeah, I'm glad well, to be back. Hey. Uh, we are always thrilled to have you. And Joelle, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the creator of Red Dot Comics. She describes Hi. her work well on her Twitter bio <laughs> as finessed impropriety. Oh. I highly recommend you go to uh, her Patreon right now to support, to patronize, and gain access 
to the relatable, the fantastic, and at times tastefully inappropriate work. Please welcome Kim Window. So enticing. Oh, yes. yes. Hello. That, that was a very nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks for being here, Kim. Oh, Did I pronounce oh, your last name right this time? And it's like a... Uh, I always get it exactly wrong, like, and you tell me, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember that, and then I remember the opposite. Is it Winder or Winder? It's Winder. You got it right. Yes! Yeah. Ah. I, like, in my mind, it it's always been Winder. Like, there's no other way to pronounce it, but literally everyone in my life, it's Winder, and then I, I just, yeah. I have to correct it. <laughs> yeah. I am that person, so I apologize. Winder is a much... Nicer sounding name, so it's uh, more I'm positive. Glad. I yeah. don't whine all the time. Well, well, I do whine, but not like emotionally. I drink it. That's, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking winder, like sidewinder, like uh, it was giving you know. snake. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, which is which is kind of cool, actually. I just want to put that out there. It's not not the worst thing. You know, I should get like the lower back tattoo. Of a giant <laughs> there, it is. there it is. Then we'll, we'll change it. Yeah. Very classy. Yeah, yeah. Kim, how have you been? What, what's going on? Uh, I'm good. I'm doing the comics full time now, finally. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yep. Thank you. That's uh, awesome. It's It's been like kind of jarring because it's still new, like mm. a month in. <laughs> and so I wake up and I'm like, oh shit, I'm late to work. I'm like, oh no. I fuck yeah. that. I oh, I'm, I'm an not boss. I'm not late. <laughs> I will never be late for work again. Exactly. That's wonderful. And Thanks. the last time you were on, I believe your husband was ill, right? And he has oh, yeah. uh, recovered and is doing better and has a uh, glorious mustache, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Someone called him like the sexy Ned Flanders a yeah. few weeks ago, and he, God damn it, I can't, I can't not see it. Um, <laughs> that, is that, he saying diddly a lot? Is it... <laughs> he's diddling something? I'll tell you that. All right. <laughs> what that compliment assumes that Ned Flanders isn't sexy. I was gonna say it too. He is. Yeah. He's a hottie. Marge is clearly sexually attracted to Ned Flanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just need to stay away from t-shirt cannons. Yeah. There you go. We'll there you go. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You should be fine. That's right. <laughs> All right, Kim, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. We're going to be talking about another one of those. Would you date somebody who voted for the other party polls, which were relevant, I guess, in the 80s, maybe like before before the Republican Party were Nazis. But now uh, they, they keep them coming. The results keep being bad for the Republicans and they're mad. They're like, I thought you guys were nice. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why you shouldn't eat any Kellogg's products and why Kellogg's can go fuck themselves. What the latest reason why Kellogg's can go fuck themselves. There are many. Uh, We're going to talk about the return of the erotic thriller. Erotic thriller movies are making a comeback. And our writer JM had some thoughts on like why that might be. I have some thoughts on why that might be. So, yeah, we'll get into that. I'm sure you guys do, too. We're going to talk about TikTok's Couch Guy. He wrote an op-ed about what it's like being sleuthed on the internet, and it's actually very, very thoughtful and well-written. And even though he's a college student, it's not written in like the five-paragraph thesis at the end of the <laughs> intro paragraph format. Uh, Does it begin w- with the uh, definition from the dictionary? <laughs> the definition of sleuthing, <laughs> according to Merriam-Webster. We'll get to all of that, so much plenty more. Uh, but first, Kim, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Monte Cristo balls. So Disneyland, uh, a few years ago, had these like little snack-sized Monte Cristo balls. So essentially ham, cheese, breaded, fried, and then you would dip it in the So jam. like the sandwich, but molded into a ball? Yeah, and they were tiny. It was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad that was your take exactly monte cristos are just so heavy i can't eat the sandwich but in the ball size they're perfect but they did it for one year haven't done it again so i'm taking it upon myself to find a recipe and make it just for the hell of it so i don't 
I don't usually fry a lot of foods, deep fry. So I'm just kind of figuring out like, okay, should I have bread? Should it be like rolled in bread crumbs? Just Mm -hmm. how to go about it. Have none of the Disney moms posted a recipe yet? There's so many of them doing like, they make the like Disney Mickey Mouse ice cream bars at home now. I'm like, y'all are real inventive. They they are crazy. Like, I actually try to stay away from the Disney mommy blogs just because as crazy inventive and cool it is, it's also so toxic. Just It's very scary. Are, yeah. I Wait, what's toxic about it? They just get all high schooly, clubby, like, oh, mm. you you allow your kids to do this in the park and I would never go to it just I, I'm yeah, done yeah, with yeah. that. In my it's life. also a level of obsessiveness that is sometimes scary. Like, did you see yes. the lady who every detail of her house is a Disney replication? Yeah, her TikTok, it, like the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yes. And she's like, and these are the sons from Tangled, and you can see I painted them here along the wall. And I'm like, ma'am, there's literally nothing in here is not a Disney reference, and that's really right. concerning to me because you should have other things. Right? As a comic book stand, as a fan, but like diversify the portfolio just a little bit. Get like two other fandoms in there, maybe. (laughs) With the obsessiveness, I I love Disney. I don't have any decor in my house just because like it it gives off murder vibes. Like, so obsessed with something that, oh, Lord. Yeah, I I love it, but I have to walk away. Here's my test. Do they reject the genius of the minions like because they are not Disney? Like, do are they will they like not let a minion in their house because or like have minion art in their house because it's not Disney? <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not mixing and matching. Like, right. On the extreme level. Mm-hmm. No, there's again, literally nothing but Disney. I would say it's probably like 20 percent, you know, Pier one. 50% Disney merchandise. <laughs> right. And yes. then, I don't know, like, World Market for the rest. Like, that's, <laughs> right. that's yeah. the breakdown of these And they houses. only go to, like, World Market to get something Aladdin-themed. Like, that's right. how <laughs> condensed it is. No! Oh, my God. Like, I'm... Yeah. I'm all for a, like, commitment to an aesthetic and, like, being into, like, you know, childhood whimsy and, like, art that you really liked as a kid. But, like, to be like, nah, fuck anything that wasn't made by this <laughs> one particular company because they happened to acquire it instead of, like, some <laughs> other company is just seems, I don't know. So right, it doesn't yeah, really no. make sense. It's like the people who felt betrayed, they couldn't go to Disney, like, at the start of the pandemic. And it's like. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You have to calm down. You have to take a deep breath because literally death and children shouldn't be a combination we're like aspiring to. That's really terrifying. I do. I have a friend who like she didn't have stable housing as a kid, but her parents were always able to scrape enough money to go to Disneyland. And so now Disneyland's the most consistent memory from her like Mm. childhood to adult years. And she loves it, but there's still boundaries and other fandoms. So I'm just saying... It's the layer of obsessiveness that we really have to divorce ourselves from. It's just too much ladies and gentlemen who are into it. Mm-hmm. Dad who costumes all the dresses. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. Oh, uh, daddy, daddy designer, designer daddy, something like that. He has that three kids. Right. Yeah, yeah. And a wife that looks like a Disney princess. Yes. Awesome yeah. work, though. Like, listen, the man's got skills. <laughs> he, dude. For real. Uh, <laughs> when he made uh, the changing dress for Belle, I was like, oh, and like she, the daughter just spins and it's her like regular like peasant dress to the yeah. ball gown. It unfolds into the ball gown. The skills are off of the charts. But again, I worry. Yes. I mean, that person actually <laughs> sounds more talented than Walt Disney. Like, <laughs> it sounds like they have he surpassed not Walt dresses. Disney. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> right. Uh, what is something you think is overrated, Kim? Employers. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm a big fan of the subreddit anti work. And mm. I just love seeing like the attraction and movement with especially millennials realizing, oh, they really don't give a shit about us. Like, and that's not carte blanche every single boss in the world, but just the thought of we're a family in the office, but fuck you, your kid's sick. I need you to come in. I just think the whole concept of the employer, coworker, or employee is overrated. It needs to change. It all needs to be tossed out 
and we need to fix it because it's I find getting the idea of like what you've done so uh inspiring slash terrifying as somebody who's formerly like worked freelance I I the freedom was great. Like I really, really enjoyed being like, and I'll wake up on my own schedule and I'll go down on my own schedule mm-hmm. and I'll be able to like focus, you know, in the early hours. It's beautiful. But then I was like, oh, I have to actually run the business side of things too. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. And at the time I had undiagnosed ADD and it was like, it was a struggle. It was struggle city out there. But I do think that it's kind of cool the way the landscape of what a job looks like and how people are interacting with it is really fascinating. I love it. I love like people doing a side hustle in a in a healthy way and then being able to branch off kind of like what I did. And it I've always wanted to be an animator since I was a kid. Just amazing, cool stuff. And now I'm I fucking made an animation this week and I paid for it. It it's great. Literally the dream. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm very happy. Congratulations. That's very cool. I do feel like that is a trend that we're seeing with a lot of our guests as they're coming in and being like, yeah, I managed to like put put aside enough money to like try and, you know, go go it without a full time employer. And my life has improved like 90 (laughs) percent. And it's it's happening on a much larger scale, too, because the unemployment rates are at the lowest they've been since what, like 65 or something crazy like that. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, there's a quote unquote worker shortage. It was clear. A lot of people are like, I could just do this from home or on my own or work in tandem with my partner and or partners to like, you know, get enough income to cover all of us. And I, man, I really feel like the pandemic made us more community oriented as a people. We were like, what if we just took care of each other and figured that out first? And I think that's so beautiful. Any place that says they have a worker shortage, I believe it's terrible management and a toxic environment. So I've just adapted not to go to those places. Any place that has a sign says we're incredibly short staffed. They don't Mm. even have to be pissy about it. I just know (laughs) people don't want to work there because of the people that are running the business. I do love the pissy signs, though. Like, we don't yes. want any crybabies. Has yeah. no personal issues. Would never take a phone call, even in an emergency. A thousand percent dedicated to this minimum wage job. Like, right, you got to right. chill. You got to. You're paying minimum wage. Like, you know what you're getting. Exactly. You know yeah. what's happening here. These people are just came here for this little bit of money and to survive to the next day. Like, leave them alone. Seriously. Yeah. And I also feel like it is... Uh, it's being underrated as people think about like what's happening with worker shortages that people are like now capitalism and like market forces have invaded every single aspect of our life. I think this is the third time I've talked about this in like four episodes, but it just like you hear so many complaints of people like what what social media, what our phones like do to us and I do think like that is all connected, like the fact that we are constantly in a market based like where where our our attention has been monetized and turned into like a capitalist like property. And then we like our interactions with our loved ones have been like are are being mediated by like these multi-billion dollar corporations and manipulated like intentionally by these multi-billion dollar corporations like. I think that is like when you don't have the humane and like actually human context of life that we had for so long, it becomes unbearable to like put up with a lot of the shit that people were putting up with for a long time in America. Yeah, it it reminds me of like early on in the pandemic when you saw all these commercials from big companies saying we care, we're in it together. From now BP. more than ever. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? <laughs> you can tell something's been on my mind, but telling off uh, an asshole. Like, I think everyone deserves a moment in their life in person mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say to someone's face, you're a jerk. You deserve what's on your plate. And I'm sick of it. And that's how I got mm. fired. 
<laughs> like, that's the story of how I got here. Why are you wondering how I got here? Yeah, record scratch. Record scratch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my my ex boss he he was a total jerk for years, and it got worse. And just being yelled at, I told him, "You can't treat me like an idiot." And this is why you can't hire anyone. And this is why no one will come back to work. And he said he professionally cannot move on from that conversation. So I don't like. <laughs> Do we okay. have the same boss? Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, before I found Jack over here, it was <laughs> the worst. I can't work with men in their 40s who haven't achieved what they hoped to achieve. Oh my god, maybe we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just it was it's such it's so hard, especially when day after day you're like giving everything you can to like try to make it work. And right? the constant response is your ideas suck. Like I'm doing a lot of work outside of this space where all of this is quote unquote good enough. They had to come back and face this person daily who then feels the need to not only dislike your work, but then belittle you for it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's very satisfying to be like, never again, bro. Never. I'm going to tell you all of the things you want. I didn't mind in a text message. I'm not as brave as you yet. It's hard for me to say things. Oh, no. I'm a very quiet person, like around (laughs) people. So when this happened, I literally texted my husband. I'm like, I think I might get fired. I just stood up to him. And it's just so relieving. But Mm -hmm. like, I stayed there because. Jack, when you mentioned my husband was sick, we relied on my health insurance. Like my yeah. my husband Man. almost died of COVID eight months ago. <laughs> so if I stayed and dealt with that bullshit because literally our lives were on the line. And fortunately, we've worked out health insurance with me doing the comic. But it's just insane what people have to go through. And having that moment of like, fuck you, fuck the man, I'm out, peace. It, it's great. So everyone deserves it at, yeah. at one point yes. in their lives. Yeah, we've we've mentioned before that the theory that that isn't a theory. It's the fact that the reason that the Democrats would never give Americans universal health care is because they rely on that to keep people in jobs they don't like like that's the economy mm-hmm. relies on the threat of starvation or you know not being able to you know getting put into bankruptcy because of an illness like that that's part of the system and that's like part of the the way that america like extracts inhumane amounts of work from from people who just want to live i would totally buy into that conspiracy like it just it makes total sense yeah. Keeping people under under their foot, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What a brutal reality we're living through. Wow. <laughs> right. Right. <sighs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, why nobody wants to fuck Republicans. <laughs> and we're back. And so. Ever since Trump's election, there's been a lot of polling around uh, quantifying the percentage of people who would or would not have sex with a Republican. It's always sort of the same thing. People that are on the left are not as likely to want to be with someone that has a antithetical worldview, while conservatives are willing to like bang anyone, I guess, is like the general thesis here is that like, yeah, sure, fuck it. Like, which, I don't know. The the Republicans seem to think that this makes them more accepting and like open-minded, which kind of misunderstands the the whole situation. I have so so many questions, starting with what conversation leads to these studies? Right. No, bro, I could totally bang a Democrat. Like, you couldn't. They just wouldn't have sex with you. Okay, but I would. Okay, but your choice, too, doesn't negate their willingness to, you know? Right. It seems a foolish question. I, I don't, I don't, because I don't understand the bottom line results of this. Like, what are we supposed to do with this information? And also, yeah. anyone with a brain could have told you that because most, I feel like, I feel confident in saying most Democratic women would not sleep with a Republican man because they don't want to die. 
Right. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. This is pretty much the beginning, middle, and end of it. Like, I just don't want to die. I wouldn't be welcomed here. You would want to get into some weird racist kink that I don't want to engage in. Like, it's one of those, like, situations. And it's weird to me that the Republicans don't recognize it yet. They don't think they're racist. So I, I think maybe it, they don't know much about anything. I think it's honestly, for Democratic women, like, if I was to fuck a Republican, I have to actively recognize that, oh, he thinks lesser of me. And I'm, right. I'm being right. used. It's an so, act of self-hate to fuck yeah. a Republican. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. doing that, you're being closed-minded to his point of view. Well, so my you willingness have to, to have that. sex with you isn't the same as my willingness to engage in conversation with you. Right. It's weird to me. Like, you won't let me be intimate with you. It's like, you're terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you wouldn't force me to carry that baby to full term, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I have dildos more politically correct than most Republicans. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> So the latest poll was released over at Axios. It polled 850 college students nationwide in November of this year. And this is all being framed as, I thought the left was tolerant, which ignores that tolerance means that you express your openness through not discriminating, which is discrimination is the very basis of the entire modern and historic Republican point of view since you know, for most of the 20th century. But yeah, so women are more likely than men to take a strong partisan stance in their personal choices. I wonder if it has anything to do with uh, what you guys were just mentioning about, uh, you know, differences of opinion around, you know, your right to have a say of what you do with your own body. They found 41% of women would go on a date with someone who voted for the opposing candidate compared to 67% of men. 76% of women would work for someone who voted for the other candidate versus 86% of men. And just 68% of women compared to 84% of men would shop at or support the business of someone of the other party. Uh, I feel like that's convoluted because you don't know everyone you're buying. Stop it. Uh, you, right. you think you, if their opinions were publicly displayed and were, I don't know, actively harming a community and you were very aware of it yes of course you, you would not shop there but otherwise you're you're just trying to get whatever it is you're trying to get and get on with your day but i also feel this is from the perspective of the way republicans are sort of projecting themselves into media right now there's this idea of like we're being left out we can't be in the mainstream it's like, i don't understand how you can be i'm against government and frankly individual liberties and I want everyone to carry a gun. I don't care whether you feel safe, but also please include me in all of your activities. Why am I not invited to the picnic? Right. Why are you afraid of me? Because you boiled the hot dogs, damn it. <laughs> What'd you say? We boil what? They boiled the hot dogs. They yes. boiled the hot dogs and it's nasty and foul. You did not use the correct seasoning. All of your best recipes come from the black people you used to own like it's weird get out of here yeah i don't i truly do not understand how you can want to be so antisocial but also be involved in the culture at the same time like lines have to be drawn somewhere uh it's almost like they're wildly entitled and have no sense of uh the fucking damage and harm that their horrifying beliefs cause i just read a article that was all about what it was like inside Germany after they lost World War II and just oh like the, you know, coming to terms with uh, themselves as as Nazis. And it was a very slow process that involved a lot of cognitive dissonance and people just not being willing to recognize what they did. Kind of the same way we did with slavery. I, I really feel like it's exactly the same. Still there do was with all... slavery. Yeah. yeah, sure. There was like, but if you think about everything that happens before the launch of Jim Crow, it's like, oh, black people are free. That's sort of terrifying. Um, keep them in their own communities. Just we'll just like gently exclude them from everything. And uh, you know what? You can pay them two dollars. It's fine. Like really, really lower that minimum wage so that we can keep them at reasonable prices and we don't tank our economy. And then it was like, oh, they got they're accumulating wealth. Cannot have, we do not like them living better than us. Put on your hoods, burn their towns down, get rid of it. Oh, yeah. crap. The law, people don't like that. We are breaking the law. 
got it. Jim Crow laws. Now, now it's legal and it's fine. The, the racism is over. What are you talking about? It's such a weird, I guess as we as people, and I just mean human beings in general, just are not comfortable accepting our roles in awful things. And our, our best defense to quote unquote protect ourselves is just distance yourself as much as possible, as quickly as possible from what you've done. But also don't change anything because we sort of like how things are. There was a a Twitter thread, I want to say yesterday or maybe a few days ago, where a Black family was selling their home in San Francisco and they got appraised and it came in super low. But they had an odd feeling about it. So they had their white friend step in and redecorate a little bit by changing photos, had it reappraised again, Mm -hmm. went up like doubled, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of black people are doing this now. Just call a white friend. You should, everyone should have one. You need one good white friend. They can come bail you out when things are sticky. I like to keep white ladies around, particularly ones that can cry on cue. Um, <laughs> keep those tears ready for me, honey. Like, let's do it. Like, she's a good person. Please don't hurt her. Um, <laughs> so I feel safe in large spaces. Yeah, that's, it's, it's trippy. There's a different article today about a woman who can pass. She doesn't try. She just can People don't recognize that she's black and she lives in an affluent white neighborhood. And she just wrote, like talked about all of the things people have said to her because they don't know she's black. And like, my favorite one is like, why do you have a black lives matter sign? Like they're just out here killing themselves. It's like, man, ma'am. It's exhausting. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Exhausting. What a great time to be alive. (laughs) Truly. Truly. Yeah. I mean, America's been bad, (laughs) a bad place to be alive for a lot of people. It's just like, I think we're now coming to terms with it. I just think every generation has to continually come to terms with it, though, right? Especially because we do a lot to shield our children from terrible things for good reasons. You you should be able to have a childhood and not have to deal with the stuff. Then suddenly it's like, okay, so we're just going to talk about slavery. They did what to my ancestors? I would be there crap that sucks okay now we're gonna talk to you about how we tried to extinguish an entire like race of people when we first got here what that's awful i thought we enjoyed thanksgiving that's not how that actually went down we have to like constantly go through this process of unlearning things that we've learned and i think it's valid because it's the only way it could stay fresh and it's uncomfortable like barry jenkins just did this great series on amazon called underground and he spoke a lot about how he's like i didn't want to dwell in it but at the same time i can't ignore sleep i can't not look it in the face and address it directly healing my ancestors survived that i have to go look in it and stay in these places and try to feel and and come to terms with what happened i think it sucks it really sucks but i also think it's vital yeah yeah like i mean so this article germany went from their kind of national like the zeitgeist opinion was that like their loss in World War II and all the you know revelations around the Holocaust were a part of a Jewish conspiracy. They called it American uh, financial interests had like put together this conspiracy. But as we talked about on an episode last week, like Germany has become, you know, not they're not perfect, but they are a model of like a nation that has actually accounted for like come to terms with at least and is trying to pay reparations and like do actual things to to deal with their past. Uh, so there there is a a path to it. It's just a long and painful and fucking brutal one. But like, that the work needs to be done my roommate uh well she actually just moved back to germany her grandfather was literally a nazi whoa and the way she talked to me about it they they say we not you never talk about the individual families because there is that great shame about just the involvement so it is talked and still uncomfortable but it's like we all fucked up and we're going to talk about it and it was more of a community change and you just don't talk about the individuals because it's just, it, she said it like it ate her up inside. Like how could my grandfather be such, such a terrible human, you know? Mm. Um, I wonder if America could ever get to that. I feel like, no, uh, I don't <laughs> want to believe, but I also feel like 
we are again just as a country just like especially if last year was any indication you know there was that giant swell of like we are not gonna let this happen anymore and we're gonna hire so many black people and we are going to like put some respect on indigenous people's names and it's going to be changed forever and then this year you see a ton of black freelancers talking about how projects that got picked up suddenly dropped agents mm-hmm. just not calling back like it was just a complete abandonment within a year and i think that's sort of our future trajectory it's just kind of like these small swells of like oh we don't want to be that but we're legitimately never going to change anything but please don't think of us that way it's just i think we prefer that contradictory state of existence yeah i mean something will have to change because to this point it's been just a steady rhythm of people coming up against the the reality of America's history and the reality of America's present. And then there is a white backlash. And, mm-hmm. you know, that we're seeing that. We saw that on January 6th. We'll see that probably in the 2024 election, which oh, I am certainly mm-hmm. I'm like as pessimistic about as I think I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just don't. So something will need to change. All right, just real quick, we'll we'll dig in a little bit more on the Kellogg's and the details. Just don't eat any fucking Kellogg's. Don't buy anything from Kellogg's. They're the fucking worst. They work force their workers to endure 72 to 84-hour work weeks, and overtime was mandated, and employees struggled to even get time off for funerals, some of them working up to 120 days without a day off. Their CEO makes $12 million a their CEO year. makes $12 million. They fired literally everybody who was striking which is not only illegal but just morally reprehensible we've already gone through this with factories before it's completely unnecessary you guys can afford to pay workers and i think that's really the thing we want to drive home today they can afford it this is not going to bankrupt kellogg's they will be okay the price of your cereal doesn't even need to change that much you can still afford these not too expensive, but sort of overpriced. If you've ever looked at a brand name, like these taste the same. Oh, it's I, ridiculous. Kellogg's been evil since day one. Like well, cornflakes yeah. was all. like cornflakes were supposed to cure the masturbation urges of people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it'll be so bland you won't want to have sex. Where is the logic, <laughs> sir? <laughs> evil day one. I've, ugh, this is just even worse. <laughs> just one person's just diseased brain that just fucking exploded all over like our entire uh, grocery store shelves and just like the entire history of the 20th century. These bottom of the barrel fucks, they gave their workers cookies. They gave their workers during cookies. a pandemic. They're like, good job, guys. Have a cookie that you probably made. They're probably <laughs> cookies. No. Oh, man. But to That's... your point, Joel, they made four billion dollars in profits last Profit. year. Profit. profit not like they made four million billion dollars in revenue no. and like mm-hmm. are tr- struggling to stay but they made no. four billion dollars in profits this goes back to you know that everybody's talking about inflation and how like inflation's out of control and they're blaming these like economic indicators as though like paying people or like people getting money from the government they're mm-hmm. like well that's what it is as if first of all as if economics is not a complete bullshit social science but also as if like the economy is like some physics uh, based formula that can't be affected and the truth is these corporations are making larger profits than they've ever made you are mm-hmm. seeing that in the way that the stock market is reacting the stock market is doing great because they have just changed what people are like willing to accept they're like realizing, oh, shit, we can like raise the prices and that's going to be really good for our profits and therefore our stock prices. And then they get this shit covered in the mainstream media as if it's the fucking striking workers fault. And like that is the narrative that you hear, that it's like the fault of the labor class for prices going up. And it's like, how how the fuck? Or are we, like, regurgitating this bullshit? Well, okay, so circling back to hot dogs. Okay, take us there. The whole point of the book, The Jungle, I think, exposed they on uh, workers just, like, losing limbs to meat grinders at this meat factory. And there was outroar, not because 
the workers were being maimed. It was because I got a finger in my fucking hot dog. Like, right. And that until the public as a whole, as us as a community, really get pissed off, it, it's just going to keep going. And I think it's happening slowly, mostly because you're seeing it across multiple different types of, of what was the word I'm looking for? Different types of workers, essentially. You have mm-hmm. farm workers, factory workers. You can look at the entertainment field. You can look at even sports. Like those guys are constantly trying to make sure you see what the WNBA is trying to achieve when a lot of their contract negotiations and things like that. I think as a whole, we're sort of come to this conclusion, particularly coming off of essentially 20 years of corporations just being too big to fail and like, you know, we have CEOs screwing us over and then getting the lightest of sentences and parachute salaries to see them out the door. I think people are getting there, but they're in America, we're not taught our what powers we have early enough. Right. right? It's not. Oh, and, and by the time you need to use those powers, it almost seems like a fever dream. You're like, how would that even work? It's so foreign to me. I've never witnessed anyone doing it. I don't have a history of my family trying to achieve these things. I think where we've seen a lot of worker organization are in <laughs> things that don't exist anymore. We think a lot about like rail workers and coal workers and pipe fitters and all those guys are sort of locked in and good to go and still, you know, bringing in family. It's a smaller subsect. So I, I think we're going to see it happen, especially <laughs> the more people like Kellogg's decide to do things like hire an entire new tier of people without the ability to ever advance in the company. They're essentially hiring people now and be like, you'll be a factory worker for life. Never yeah. expect to see management. Never yeah. a raise for what? Come in here, work till you drop and then leave. We see it in the um, what's going on with like uh, chicken farms and stuff. The way those guys are treated and literally peeing in bottles next to the food they're slaughtering. It's dangerous. COVID is rampant there. Uh, I really do feel like we're on a wave of worker action right now. And they are, like you said, I mean, I, they're the reason that that is going to happen because prices, every every economic indicator has gone up except for wages. Like wages have stayed stagnant for fucking like 25 years now. Like minimum wage has stayed stagnant for like decades. And they're just basically, you know, riding it until the wheels fall off. They're just like, yeah, we're going to see how far we can push this thing. And as the 2008 economic crisis showed us we're not the ones who are going to get left holding the bag so we'll just keep on abusing the system until it spits out its last fucking you know chunk of change for us and then we'll you know go live on our island in the pacific that we bought you want to know my okay so here's my theory they're just waiting for the robot labor force they're waiting for technology Mm -hmm. to catch up to where and i really do think they're like just keep costs down as much as possible we will buy an entire robot labor force it's a one-time fee with some technical updates here and there and we'll be good for at least the next what 20 years you could probably run on that tech depending on where you're at and and how tactile the robotic structure is you know whatever you need to do how fast is it working how quickly does it break down hopefully it's not a mcdonald's trevor what's the name of the ice cream which honestly i really feel like if we want to get tech people listen up get in on, on this theory right now just start making terrible machines for these companies so that they yeah. have no choice and 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 make sure you write in your contracts you can't use anyone else and we're the only ones who can fix it and then right. hire a bunch of workers you know and that's how we're gonna that's how we beat the corporations yeah and I that is literally that. what the what that company did who made their who made their ice cream machines but unfortunately they like somebody else made a thing to fix it and they sued that company they're like no 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 you can't can't fix our shitty get out of here yeah so i don't know (laughs) i think they were like making billions though as depressing as it all is (laughs) i'm i don't think i'm jaded enough yet because i do think we're on the cusp of a revolution or a change with workers, especially Gen Z. They do not take shit from anyone. <laughs> I love those kids. So I much. love them to death. I was at Starbucks this morning and this this kid, he had to be like 19, just goes in with roller skates. He got his one earring in, just no fucks given. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> and I just they I think they're paying attention and listening 
and they're not going to let themselves be treated like trash anymore. Yeah. So I, I'm really hoping that before the robots come in, we get Gen Z to either hack the system and overhaul it. Because yeah, yeah, I think it's it's all need... bullshit. I feel like it's yeah. gonna take all of us. I don't, I don't want to leave it to just the kids. We're all here. We're all doing it. That's true. Yes, kids, you inspire me so much. Thank you for being your beautiful, unique selves and not taking shit. Thank you for reminding me that I don't need to take shit. But also, super here with you, just ready to fight the good fight because oh, it's it's gonna be a doozy of an effort. Oh yeah, doozy. I mean, it's it's also as the baby boomers and silent generation, I guess, in Joe Biden and Donald Trump's case, like mercifully die off. Like we hopefully like there will be a dual action of younger pro-socialist generations taking over as like this just wildly out of touch and pathologically selfish generation disappears. That is one to believe, but I see so many another brand of the same use just being like, oh, that seems like the life right there. I'm going to emulate that to a T. We got to switch those guys' minds before they get too old and too empowered. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about Couch Guy. Hopefully get to uh, talk about some erotic thrillers. And we're back. And Couch Guy, who we might all remember from the TikTok video where his girlfriend came to surprise him, his long-distance girlfriend came to surprise him at college. The video showed her like showing up, him being surprised, getting up from the couch and giving her a hug. And this kicked off a level of just analysis frame by frame, just deep diving into, you know, body language expert analysis, which is a made up thing that the mainstream media loves to pretend exists, that people were highly suspect of this couch guy because he did not seem excited enough to see his girlfriend, his long distance girlfriend in the 10 seconds, I think it was like one of the shortest. I, I couldn't believe when I finally saw the video that everybody was talking about. Like, it was insane. Like I went to talk a lot and yeah. it was just like two weeks of couch guy content. Honestly, to me, he just he looked stoned. <laughs> that was yes. the whole reason why he was slow to get up. But it just all the videos on TikTok, like it was a vile hashtag and she even made merch, the girlfriend. It it was crazy. Smart. Yeah. Make that money while you can. You know, this is going to last 10 seconds. You said, let me get some coin real quick. That's a vacation. I love mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. It's beautiful. I wonder how much Britney Spears case has to do with this sort of surge we've seen in internet sleuthing, because I don't know if you guys remember or for the listeners who maybe don't know, like a fan was like, Brittany, if you're not okay, wear a yellow t-shirt. And the next day she's wearing a yellow t-shirt on her Instagram and be really like bold about it. Like, yo, this is my yellow shirt. Ha ha. And then it sort of devolves into like, Brittany's really in trouble. We have to help her. And Brittany was in trouble. She was not yeah. in a good way. And she really did need help. And I think it's interesting. I, I just wonder that and George and Karen for My Favorite Murder or the Serial Podcast has really brought this boom in true crime. There's even a game now that you can play, which I forget the name of it right now, but essentially it allows you to play being a detective, but all the money you put into this game goes into trying to solve cold cases. And there's a lot of people who feel empowered around this idea of like, oh, as like, again, as a community, we can connect do what the police, who a lot of us are against, can't do and solve these crimes. But I do think that people have to keep in mind that they're amateurs and that unfortunately there are other real people on the other sides of these questions. And you could do a ton of damage digging through someone's personal life try, or blowing them up like they did Couch Guy or, you know, like basically trying to sick Eventually, the, the only goal is like, oh, well, we'll send the police in because we don't have any power in this situation. And you've never met these people and you're not an actual detective and you don't really know what you're doing. It's very messy. Yeah, there are these examples that 
kind of pick up speed, like cause this trend to pick up speed, like Gabby Petito was also one. I hadn't realized this, but our producer, Becca, new producer, shout out, new producer, Becca Ramos, put this story in, was pointing out that like that was an example where people were like, something's wrong here when she went missing and were like analyzing the previous videos and something was wrong. But then there are examples like Sabrina Prater, who is a 34-year-old contractor and trans woman who went viral in November after posting a video of herself dancing in a basement that was mid-renovation. And people jumped on it and were like, bad vibes. There were like these transphobic comparisons to Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs. And people started to speculate that she was a serial killer. And just it got very like dark and was based on nothing. The catch guy thing, you know, this guy writes pretty well, either because he's telling the truth or he's a master manipulator. We don't know. He has a great editor. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that's probably the answer is that he has a great editor. But, you know, where these things just get away, like they take on a life of their own. There were people like waiting outside of his room. There were people like sliding notes under his door. There were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Very scary. Like, yeah. Like, I understand the community wanting to help solve, like, Britney uh, being in trouble or a murdered Instagrammer. But the dude, the speculation was literally he might be cheating on his girlfriend. That, right. It does not need that kind of. That does not require your assistance. Yeah. Right. Or Mm -hmm. comment. That's not your business. Yeah. (laughs) Take it to a group chat, people. Right. Talk it out there. Like, yeah, giving the internet, it's a a wild tool. We're still reining it in. We're still figuring out how to use it for its its best intentions. And this is this like goes back. This has long been one of humanity's like biggest kind of misconceptions and like blind spots when it comes to how we interact with crime is, you know, the police will disregard someone's testimony will be like, ah, she's making it up. If they're not like, if they're not playing the role that they have seen in movies of the victim of this crime, like I was just listening the last podcast on the left show was like doing the Lizzie Borden murder. Is that her name? Oh, the, yeah. Lizzie Borden, Borden with an axe. Gave her mother yeah. 40 wax. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Good uh, it was only 19 wax, first of all. But <laughs> the the police, because she was so distraught, shot her up with morphine and then gave her powdered caffeine before <laughs> before questioning her about it. And then we're like, she was so like flat. We like don't trust her, which she probably did do it. But like still, it's like this this thing like it's happened with uh, sexual assault victims. There was a serial rapist who was getting away with it for a long time because a young woman who like reported it, her even her mom was like, uh, I think she's making it up because she's not like crying enough. And then finally, like the DNA proved she wasn't making it up. But it's we, we just really need to like take our personal like expectations out of it when it comes to like we are not good at judging like the the whole thing of like instinct and like i have a like i have an internal lie detector you do not like you do not have that you know the best police officers in the world do not have that the thing about you know you can tell by where they're looking in the room like if they look up to the right they're making it up that is bullshit (laughs) like every everything that we claim that has ever been claimed uh, sherlock holmes was not a real guy or not in any of the senses that you want him to be a real guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you trust your instincts like to let you know if you're in danger and like always be safe. But when it comes to like, I've caught this person or I think this person's lying, like you're do not do not trust your instincts. You're you don't know shit. I That's think it's concise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk erotic thrillers? I do want to. We're at an hour, though. <sighs> oh, okay. The, we're, I'm, I'm so torn. Do we, do we want to get into it? What do you guys think? I think we have to. All right. Well, we can keep it short. We can keep it short. Yeah. All okay. Right. So listen, Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas, they had a new movie called Deep Water coming out. It was scheduled for release 
in January, which if you know anything about movies, you understand immediately means it might not be so great. Yes. This Mm -hmm. may not be a movie of quality. That's where we dump our bad movies. January, February, and we might sprinkle one in March if we have too many movies slated for the year. That's literally how Hollywood has worked since the dawn of the summer blockbuster, okay? Randos on the internet are concerned that (laughs) J-Lo has used her her incredible powers and connections throughout the universe, essentially, to kill this movie because, yes, Anna and Ben dated. I mm-hmm. think this is going to probably get pushed back. Maybe there are so many streaming services. It'll probably pop up there because people are going to want to see Ben and Anna in a movie where she might be, you know, playing a crazy person. It's a psychological thriller. It's directed by a woman. It's set in like 1950s. It's people will watch just to hate watch. I think they're just trying to figure out where to put it. Everyone's going to be fine and make money. So it's about an open marriage where she doesn't like him anymore. He's like, all right, you can have as many, you know, lovers as you want. And then like those lovers start ending up dead. So I think the plot is like that he might be a cold-blooded serial killer. Or maybe, maybe you know, you might be right. But that that is the first read that I've gotten, like the the summary. She people. it seems like it might be so okay. Erotic thrillers are trying to make a comeback right now. Paul Verhoeven, uh, yeah. who did Basic Instinct and is a pig, decided, yeah. he's Holy like, shit. listen, I'm going to make some movies. He, if you guys don't know the story, there's a famous scene in that movie where there's a famous scene where Sharon Stone uncrosses her legs. You can see her vagina. Right. This is Basic Instinct. Yes. Yeah. It was supposed to be a shot where it was more suggestive. So she wore white panties, which would essentially allow for either a blending into the skirt or create a line with the camera that's like, okay, we shouldn't, we need to push up a little bit. You weren't supposed to see anything. She didn't know, but he was like, yo, can you please take off your underwear? (laughs) Why? I don't need to. He was like, take them off. It'll be fine. I promise we won't show anything. She found out in the middle of a premiere, in the middle of the premiere Watching with an audience. A full audience that her genitals were now going to be distributed globally. Yeah. Pig. So now they're saying erotic thrillers are going to come back. I have a lot of feelings about this. I think it comes off the back of movies like Gone Girl. Excellent film. Sort of throwing the erotic thriller on its head because, one, it's the woman. And instead of going directly after her husband, it's become more of a mystery and consuming and bringing him back to her in a way that is so scary and manipulative, but actually chooses to dissect what it is to be in a marriage of not love, but kind of just being trapped, I guess. Yeah. I'm not married. That was the sense I got from it. And it said, don't get married. Um, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I think that erotic killers have a horrible, horrible history of becoming real world spaces for sexual assault and or rape many of them which made it to the final film which is deeply disturbing also i wonder if they have a place if you watch a lot of older erotic thrillers particularly ones from the 70s and 80s you're like i don't know how well these translate to our modern times to this modern era i don't know what do you think jack i so i think that First of all, so the Paul Verhoeven story that you told with Sharon mm-hmm. Stone, that is sexual assault. Like, that is, yeah. uh, he should be in jail for that. Uh, instead, he is part of this, like, new wave of, like, he's making a erotic thriller. And people are like, this might be a new kind of era of erotic thrillers. I feel, I don't think that's going to happen with movies made by him or the guy who made Fatal Attraction is also coming back. But I do wonder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do wonder if, like, I think there is the common ground for erotic thrillers to come back because I do think that because of like social media and porn and just like, I feel like there's less closeness and people are more strangers to each other than ever before now and like people are more alone than ever before i do think there's probably like added anxieties around like erotic and romantic vulnerability i 
think there's probably going to be movies that deal with that in really provocative ways. I think they will be made by young people who have grown up in the era of social media and like with those realities present. I don't think they're going to be made by fucking Paul Verhoeven. (laughs) But I also think that like some of the ideas around this being like a new wave of erotic thrillers, some of these analyses are pulling in 365 days, which was just, I feel like, soft we covered that last year like it was the number one movie on netflix for a lot of the year it was just like soft soft porn that like people felt comfortable consuming as a date night thriller because it was number one on netflix and like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but i don't feel like it's i i'm going to reject it because it doesn't fit into my big theory that i just said (laughs) it's an outlier get rid of it bridgerton was a huge hit this year and after like episode eight it was just them fucking like yeah <laughs> yeah but not any more than like game of thrones i think true and 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 not with the with less of the like violence and chance for murder than like your typical erotic thriller has yeah there's definitely a hole to be filled like with true crime like coming into the main zeitgeist nowadays like uh murders only in the building or murder in the building with yeah only murders in the building yeah that's great i love that and then you got Bridgerton, Game of Thrones, and all these sexy type of films coming in. It makes sense that people want to combine them. But like you said, Jack, just finding the right voice, like white men, they got a point of view. And we've clearly seen it for most of yeah. movie history. Throw let's a maybe woman it in out. there. Yeah. Hey, white guys, let's maybe set this one out. Let's see what uh, other people have to say <laughs> about this one. The Fast and Furious series? That's great. Just keep on going. The Fast and Furious series is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're family. We have Bond. Yeah, right, let's, get, let's go with James Bond. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, it has been such a pleasure talking to both of you about all of this. Kim, where can people find you and follow you and subscribe and Join your Patreon. I'm mainly on Instagram, Twitter at the double underscore red dot. I'm also on Reddit and Facebook. My Patreon, it's at the double underscore red dot. So I post pretty much every day, either an animation or a comic. And yeah, I'm fun. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm fun. <laughs> and is there a tweet or some work of social media you've been enjoying? I had a tweet, but it like given how heavy we've been talking it was kind of depressive so i just i would rather promote some comic artists like um, one of my favorites yeah alex smith draws he's like the only comic like i even have a tweet about that he's the only comic artist that i actively quote almost every day because he has like these animations and parodies of like uh, lord of the rings that just it had me crying the first time i saw it Mm. great guy great art oh martin roser hot paper comics he's always great very positive great stuff just anyone on my twitter that i follow comic wise they're amazing and they're happy so just go cheer yourself up that way yeah i'm like this show you know (laughs) find find a more healthy outlet and you know before you go check any of them out go check out the double underscore red dot all right, Joelle, where can people find you and follow you? I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. It's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. I have two very quick tweets. The first one is at Rose Domu. It's the picture of the sex of the city ladies. And it says the fourth character is New York, but it's New York Pollard. <laughs> it, just, it fills my heart with so much joy it's so silly but i love it the other one is a request to fans if you can find this pin i will I, I don't know we can negotiate on what it is you need in life i will try to make it happen i'll retweet you i will send you a little video it's a little pin which i collect like an enamel pin and it's like a newspaper and it says the black times and under underneath it is like a sub headline it says i love being black shit kind of dangerous but it's lit <laughs> I need it. That's I have cute. to have it. It's adorable and horrifying and funny. It's all things in one enamel pin. So if you know where to buy that, find me on the internet and tell me about it. That's great. 
All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. One tweet that our just bringing up uh, Bridgerton reminded me of, uh, and T. Donahue tweeted, no. Uh, and then it's attributed to me being challenged to a duel, which I think, <laughs> I feel like that would solve a lot of problems. And then we might have the great musical Hamilton, okay? <laughs> what, that like, that was the it. detail of that that I was just like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> like, with his kid, too? His Wait, kid? He's like, honor. all right, son, here's what you got to do. You got to, yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, and then Rose Damu tweeted, uh, I wonder if Carrie wrote about the insurrection in reference to uh, the new Sex in the City. <laughs> and then uh, a friend of mine, some guy named John, which is his name on Twitter, just gave us a sample. And I watch, and as I watched the QAnon shamans smear feces on the walls of the Capitol, I couldn't oh help but wonder: Was my marriage the real big lie? Stop which it! I, Stop it! <laughs> and he capitalized "big," so it actually. Ah. John's a very funny writer. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes! Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. And today, Miles is not here, uh, so we're going to throw to super producer Justin Smith. Justin? Tell the people what they should go listen to right now. Okay, well, in light of Kim being able to move on to better, greener pastures and being yeah. able to, you know, have the dream and say, fuck you, I'm going on to something greater. There's a song called I Got Money Now with Deontay <laughs> hey, Hitchcock hell yeah. and Jid. It's great. I, My sister, Joelle Monique, loves this track. What? She plays I it. Do. All the time. Um, it's mostly like I when I first played it, I was like, what's going on here? Because it starts off with the little twangy guitar. And as a black man, I'm very suspicious of that. And then <laughs> what's happening? And, and, but then this driving bass line comes in and plays off the percussion so well. And then the first words are I got money now. And the hook, the refrain that it keeps coming back to is I got money now, bitch. bitch? And, and he's yeah. telling this to someone. <laughs> To, you know, to put a fine point on it, the, the lyricism, the laughs per second, if you're really listening to the punchlines, they're every line just about. It's a funny song. It's lighthearted. Even if you're down bad right now and you don't have that much money in your bank account, everyone loves to fantasize. This is how hip hop got started. The rags to riches story. So it's Deontay Hitchcock, D-E-A-N-T-E, -E, uh, Hitchcock. Featuring Jid, you guys will love it. Um, and you can check that out in the footnotes. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> That's amazing. I've looked I just looked up the uh, lyrics. I love it already. Yeah. <laughs> also, damn. just a quick pickup. Shout out to Rose. She's got uh both Jack and I shouted out her tweets. She's got a new show right here on iHeart called Like a Virgin. It yeah. is super funny. I'm really enjoying it. So check it out. Yeah. And shout out to Justin coming strong with the great song recommendation all right uh well that is gonna do it for us the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit uh the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or you know wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's gonna do it for us this morning but we will be back this afternoon to tell you what is trending and we'll talk to you all then bye bye, bye. 